Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Nah, I think they're still the same bouncing up every year. At the end of the day, like, we, I don't know, like, it's the Browns, it's the Browns. Any talk like that's going to be disrespectful. We definitely didn't appreciate it. And clearly, we made that known tonight. Same old Brown. Same old Brown. The man himself, baby. Browns is the Browns. <laughs> The Browns is the Browns indeed. You know, Chris, we make our picks on Thursday. We lock them in on Thursday. When I saw on Thursday night that quote from Juju Smith-Schuster, the Browns is the Browns, right? I paused. I stopped. I tried to talk myself out of thinking that that would in any way influence my read on the game. Surely at this level. Words like that won't matter. Peter King was with me on Friday. He did, as he is wont to do, downplay the impact of words on a football team. These are grown men, after all. This kind of thing doesn't affect them. This doesn't motivate them. The Browns is the Browns. I'm sorry, but in hindsight, Juju Smith-Schuster, who has provided multiple teams gratuitous motivation throughout the course of the season, and may have worn out his welcome permanently in Pittsburgh. That's a good question. The Browns is the Browns is the exclamation point on how the Steelers mishandled Juju Smith-Schuster's messages and ultimately paid for it with their playoff lives. Yeah, well, again, I you know, I'll say, like, hey, I don't – of course, it's not like the difference in winning and losing a football game. But does it add, you know, extra motivation, extra little focus from the other football team – Another reason to, you know, get the rallying cry in the locker room and and just be totally, you know, focused and like, you know, honed in on the football game Friday, Saturday, Sunday to help you out maybe just a little bit more. Sure. Definitely. Does it help maybe the energy in the locker room for the football team? You know, even the day of the game, you know, guys will walk in that day and the Browns is the Browns guys and, you know, start saying stuff like that. And that'll get energy going in the locker room. Oh, yeah, that's right. Juju Smith-Schuster. Okay. You know, so that it is a real thing. As much as people want to deny it, I don't say it's like, hey, they win or lose because of it, but it is a real thing to your point. But let's think about where they were yeah. last week, where right. the Browns were, and how easy it would have been as the walls are closing in with all of the various COVID-19 issues, and then you're not going to have your head coach. And the NFL, which has been so malleable, to use one of the words you've been working on quite well, by the way. Thank you. To be so malleable about all things COVID-19 and then refuse to come up with a creative way to allow Kevin Stefanski to be involved from his basement, which would be easy to do. You got Mike Tirico at home calling a game on Saturday. Tony Romo at home calling a game on Sunday. And the Browns don't have their coach. So easy for the Browns to just allow this feeling of 
We got as far as we were going to get. We got to 11 and 5. It's not meant to be. Let's just use this as the building block for next year. So easy to slip into that until the Browns is the Browns. That's the thing that may allow you to break out of that spell that can happen, right? We've all been there in one way or another, in one form or another, where you just feel like, oh, this just isn't meant to be. This just isn't our day, and you got to find a way to rise above it. And when your opponent helps you rise above it with the Browns is the Browns, you do rise above it. And you are the ones who are focused, and you are the ones who execute, and not the ones who come out and airmail a snap over the head of Ben Roethlisberger to start the game like Super Bowl forty-eight. Are you kidding me, Marquise Pouncey? Let's just go ahead and do the Goats of the Week draft now. Goats in a bad way. Marquise Pouncey. What in the hell? And then there was a key play late in the game where he had a low snap. Yeah, right. I mean, come on, Marquise. You're the veteran. You're the seasoned pro. You're the guy who's who's the stabilizing force on the offensive line, and that set the tone. Now, look, the Steelers could have overcome it. 7 nothing became 28 nothing. But, man, to have it 7 nothing out of the gates like that, th- th- that, that didn't help. And the Browns were focused and the Steelers weren't. You know, Mike Tomlin uh, didn't have his guys ready. And Mike Preford did. Right. Who would have thunk it? No, I know. I mean, who would have thunk it? Yeah, yeah. It's like Pittsburgh kind of went in like, hey, we're going to be fresh. We're the Pittsburgh Steelers. We've been in the playoffs. We always beat the Cleveland Browns. You know, it, it, they went in just, you know, chest puffs, puffed out, feeling like, you know, we're invincible. We're not going to lose this matchup. Cleveland did have the the fear factor. Whoa, you know, it is the Steelers. Whoa, we barely beat them last week, and they didn't play some of their starters, you know. So there, there, there was some extra things there on their side, at least as far as human emotions, to make sure you're ready for the football game to, like, to what you're saying because it looked like one team came out flying high, ready to throw their body around and do whatever it took, and another team that just thought – oh, we're the machine of the Pittsburgh Steelers and we'll find a way to win it. And, I mean, Marquise Pouncey and then Big Ben and then, you know, oh, snap over your head, one-man route, throw the ball over the top of Benny Snell's head by three feet, interception. I mean, the next drive is can't convert a third and one and you got to punt the football. I mean, just everything about the Pittsburgh Steelers that we saw over the month of December other than that one half against the Colts it all kind of came back up in the playoff moment here, and it just was an absolute debacle and disaster in the first half. My guess is the Steelers just thought they were going to show up and check the box. And yeah. And for the same reason the Browns should have said, wait till next year, the Steelers may have been saying, wait till next week. Who do we play next? Do we go to Buffalo? Oh, we're going to Buffalo. The Ravens beat the Titans. We're going to Buffalo. Let's go, right? Uh, and and uh, yeah, no, you're not going to Buffalo. And you know what? I don't want to go. Well, I don't want to go too deep down this rabbit hole, but can't help but wonder whether or not the Steelers, at some level, thought that the road was going to end next week anyway. They don't want to go to Buffalo, right? I remember Demarius Thomas telling me several years ago when the Broncos lost in the division round of the Colts, where they would have had the Patriots the next weekend. This was five years ago. This yeah. was the Flategate game where the Colts had to go to New England for the AFC Championship. He was telling me guys didn't want to go to Denver. They just didn't want to go. And, uh, well, they got their wish. Or, no, they didn't want to go to New England. Excuse yeah, right. me. They didn't want to go to New England for the AFC Championship game. They got their wish. They didn't go. The Colts beat them. Yeah. I wonder if at some level the Steelers are thinking, we got our asses kicked by the Bills not that long ago. We don't think it's going to be any different. Uh, maybe we don't want to go. No, you know? I, yeah. Maybe it's a combination of, of believing they were going to easily. Maybe some guys in the locker room think we're going to easily, easily beat the Browns. And other guys are thinking, why are we prolonging this? Let's just get this over with. Let's, I, let's just get on with our lives with all these lockdowns and COVID-19 and all this testing. But if we're going to lose to the Bills anyway, let's just get it over with now. Well, that, that, that's not in their thought. That's not the Steelers. You you know that. If anything. I bet I bet one of I bet at least at least 5 out of 53 guys. Nah, I, maybe I, more. I, I had don't, that creeping around in their brain. I don't buy that, that. that. It's they're not getting to the Super Bowl this year, so what's the point? That, that just the level of that. I'm just saying it's a stew of it's, it's a, a stew of distracting emotions that the coach needs to iron out of all of them, whether it's we think we're going to easily beat the Browns or we have an ass-kicking waiting for us in sure. Buffalo. They're very different, but they are similar insofar as they get you off the mark, and the Steelers were clearly off the mark last night. Clear, clearly off the mark. I, I just, you know, hey, they scored almost 40 points in the second half. I don't, I, I you know, I think it was like the, your first thing you said. It's overconfidence. It's where the Pittsburgh Steelers, 
you know, we've played playoff football. We're just going to show – we've seen this before. I mean, we saw this a few years ago when the Jacksonville Jaguars came to the town of Blake Bortles. You know, it was the same type of thing. You know, well, Puff, that's because they—that's because they were waiting for the rematch. You're right, Mike Tomlin that, was the one who talked about the rematch. Sure, they were right. waiting for the Patriots. Right, like they were puffing their chest out then, like, "Hey, there's no way we're going to lose this. We're going to go that." I mean, it just had that way about it. And again, I don't know if that's really what it is. It just, but what we watched on TV last night was one team that was clearly ready to play, more physical, had a different energy about them. And 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 you know, Mike, maybe you're right. Maybe the Marquise Pouncey snap. That just does enough to kind of, you know, mess with the flow of the football game there a little bit. But either way, Pittsburgh is going to come away from the game and just look at it and go, man, Juju Smith-Schuster, wow, okay, before the game, he gives them bulletin board material. Marquise Pouncey, bad snap. Big Ben, damn, interceptions. Deontay Johnson, yeah, it wasn't a perfect pass, but oh, you drop balls again too. Oh, it's the short passing game that everybody knows you're going to do. Right, defensive lineman, just stick your hand up because he's going to throw it right by your ear hole. Oh, tipped in the air, throwing it to Vance McDonald. Interception. It's just like all the issues with the Steelers all came in the first half of the game, and it was just like, sorry, it's over right here. See you later. It's Cleveland's time, and uh, hey, they move on. Cleveland and Baltimore played better than Pittsburgh the month of December. I don't even know why we're so shocked, you know? I we were all fooled by the Steelers, the emblem, Big Ben, Mike T, all of it. We all were. Well, remember two weeks ago when they won the division and they partied like it was nineteen ninety-nine. I I I I was like, boy, this 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 is a team that that seems a little too happy to check the box as division champions. <laughs> Maybe they knew. Maybe they knew what was coming. Remember, there was a sense that we had during their losing streak. They're not going to win in the postseason. But then they drew the Browns, and we thought, okay, they'll at least prolong it by a week because they're not going to lose to the Browns at home. They haven't lost to the Browns at home since 2003. Ben Roethlisberger, during his career, drafted in the first round of 2004, never lost at home to the Cleveland Browns. It's amazing. It when is. you think about it, it makes you wonder which way it's going for Big Ben going forward. That's something we're going to be talking about a lot. We're going to be breaking down a lot in the coming days and weeks because, uh, and look, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole today because we've we've got we've got plenty of other things to discuss. Let's hear from Ben, and then I'll decide how much time I want to spend today on an issue that will dominate the next couple of weeks, which is what's Ben going to do in 2021. Here he is for immediately after the game. Gonna start between me and God. A lot of praying, um, and then you know a lot of just talk with my family, discussions, decisions, and um, you know I still have a year left on my contract. Uh, I hope the Steelers want me back if if, if that's the way we go, and um, there'll be a lot of discussions. But but now's not the time for that. I think it was important that he pointed out he's got a year left on his contract, and I hope the Steelers want me back. If he would retire. He would owe the Steelers $12.5 million for unearned signing bonus money. That's $12.5 million. That's a lot of money yeah. to write that check back, right? But he's got a $41 million cap number that kicks in on March 17, and he's got a $15 million roster bonus that's due on March 19. There may be a story behind the story here where if he decides he's retiring, he's hoping that maybe they just cut him because if they cut him, he owes zero. And we're talking about twelve and a half million dollars. This isn't some trivial amount. This isn't some. This isn't. This is a lot, right? So, and 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 when we saw the emotion last night, it's hard to think that he's not at least contemplating oh, the possibility. No doubt, this is his last time in a Steeler uniform. And here's here's the next. And I say I don't want to go too far with this today, but when you see these other quarterbacks that have had a second act somewhere else, from Tom Brady to Brett Favre to Peyton Manning. I can't help but wonder whether or not he's thinking, maybe maybe I'll get me one of those. Maybe I'll go play somewhere else. Maybe if Tom Brady calls it quits in Tampa, I can go reunite with Bruce Arians. I, you know, he's a guy who's never gotten the attention that I think he believes he deserves. It's a great way to get attention if you start laying the foundation for playing somewhere else next year if the Steelers cut him. But again, that, that's not for today, but it's definitely on the table for discussion in the coming days and weeks. I mean, no doubt. Listen, you don't sit there after the game and sit on the bench for a half hour. I knew right after the football game 
they were interviewing Baker Mayfield, and you could see Big Ben in the background sitting on the bench, and you knew. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster also sitting there. Why? Contract year. He's not sure he's going to be back there in Pittsburgh Steelers. That's the kind of thing guys do to go, wait, this could be over. Let me sit here and take this in one more time and just, you know, remember the smell of the stadium and the sight and just what it was like to be in this, you know, great Heinz Field and all that. That's what that moment looked like to me. And then crying. And then, again, of course he's thinking about it. Because you said it, I hope they want me back, but I'm going to take time with my family and talk about that. So everything is on the table right now. I have a hard time, Mike, I would say this. I don't think they're going to make him pay any money back. Like if the Indianapolis Colts aren't going to make Andrew Luck pay money back, then damn, if Pittsburgh makes him pay money back, I'll be pissed off at them. They're going to have to hear well, about it. Well, but well, 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 I we'll think see Andrew where Luck this goes. Some back. We'll see we where this goes. Know. But it's a legit right. question okay. about Big Ben here. And we'll see. And I don't Here's think this another is a question. Tom Brady like go somewhere else and maybe I have one more swung song. I think it's like Big Ben's on his last leg and maybe he gets one more year in Pittsburgh and he's lucky if he gets that, I think is the way it looks right now. We talked earlier this year about the 500 club. Even though it's more of a regular season deal, there are 500-yard passing performances in the postseason and Ben Roethlisberger had one. Have we ever seen a worse 500-yard passing performance in our lifetimes? with four interceptions, and, and he had to throw 68 passes because they were losing so badly. I mean, 500 yards is 500 yards, but come on, come on. He, he had four picks. He was not good last night. He was not a good 500 yards. No, no, it, it was not, you know. I mean, listen, you look at, like, 500-yard performances, and, in fact, you look at the majority of them, it, it ends up with teams, you know, the losing team when you throw for 500 yards. It usually means something bad's gone wrong, and we have to throw every play to come back and win the football game. But, yeah. They had to throw the ball 68 times and 500 yards because of some of the missed throws and mistakes he made early in the football game. And then they just had to throw it every play because you got to extend the game then. Okay, we got to make the clock stop and we got to play as many plays as we can possibly play to hopefully shut the difference down of the 35 point lead and all those things. But again, Mike, it's all about everything. You know, with big, you know, Big Ben, certainly not great. The predictability of the throws and the offense. You know, the second half, it's something we've talked about a lot through the last month. You know, that they came out, they were aggressive, they pushed the ball down the field. Instead of looking to like, oh, we're just going to execute and go four yards at a time, they came out and actually were like, we're going to put pressure on you and we're going to look for 15 and 20 and 30-yard gains. And then when you look for that, the five-yard gains are wide open and now they run for 10 yards. Just a bad approach by their offense altogether the last six or seven weeks of the year. And, you know, I don't want to talk about Pittsburgh too much because Cleveland is this, the man of the hour. Let me just say one last thing. Yeah. The 501 yards passing from Ben Roethlisberger was only the second ever 500-yard passing game in the postseason. The first was Tom Brady in Super Bowl 52. Yeah. And both quarterbacks lost sure. the game right. with 500 passing yards in the postseason. It's amazing. All right. The Browns are amazing. The Browns, without Odell Beckham Jr., remember how pissy they got? Sorry, London. When when people started pointing out they may be better off offensively without Odell Beckham Jr., I don't think they get this far with Odell Beckham Jr., frankly. We'll, we'll never know. Maybe we'll know next year. But I don't think they get that far this year. The offense has been great. Kareem Hunt had a couple of touchdowns last night. Now, look, it was opportunistic defense, right place, right time, make things happen. But Jarvis Landry, I remember when they traded for Jarvis Landry three years ago, Chris. I remember thinking, this guy is the quintessential AFC North receiver. This is Heinz Ward. This is tough, hard-nosed, determined. And that's what we saw last night. You know, sometimes you'll watch a game and you'll see a guy who's got another level of effort and desire than everyone else around him. And that was Jarvis Landry. And that attitude, given his status on that team, surely spilled over to the other guys. When he's locked in, when he's dialed in, when he's focused, motivated, and determined, that spills over to the teammates. And that's one of the reasons why they played as well as they did, because he was possessed last night. Well, yeah, he played well. I mean, their whole team played well. Uh, you know, again, I don't know. You know, I, Again, I don't know about the Odell Beckham Jr. thing either. I'm not going to let you just sneak that comment in there and just go buy it, okay? I don't know. I mean, I think they could have put you and me at receiver last night and they still would have had a chance to win with the way the game played and the way Pittsburgh looked crappy on the offensive side of the ball. But you're right, Mike. I mean, the attitude of their football team, Jarvis Landry fits it perfect. They want to run the football, smash your face. 
He wants to go over the middle of the field, catch the ball like he did in the long touchdown pass, make people miss, run through arm tackles. He does fit their attitude of their football team. He's a great leader that way. You know, he's not a superstar receiver, but he's a really, really damn good receiver, and he improves the overall culture of your football team. I think that's what you love about Jarvis Landry. Uh, but, you know, that that their running game, Baker, you know, the fact that the game never had to really get into Cleveland like feeling like, well, we have to go outside the box and make a play. They got to run the ball, and they got to go – oh, wait, we're in the lead, so let's make quick throws and get the ball out of your damn hands so T.J. Watt and company don't you know, strip sack fumble and get them back in the football game. And I think they just approached it all the right way once they got the lead, and Baker was pretty damn good. 28 nothing first quarter lead. First time that's happened since the 1970 merger. Apparently, there was a 1969 playoff game between the Oilers and the Raiders where there was a 28 nothing first quarter lead. That's the last time it happened. And Baker Mayfield wasn't pressured all night. When you consider Joel Batonio one of the guys who got bit by the COVID-19 bug, and they didn't practice until Friday. No practice until Friday. Is that going to be the next request from J.C. Treader, the Browns center in the NFLPA president. We don't need practice on Wednesday or Thursday of any (laughs) week. We just need a walkthrough on Friday. And look how Baker Mayfield sprayed the ball around. Look, that's one of the ingredients for Mayfield playing well. If you keep guys out of his face, he's going to play well. I mean, that applies to most quarterbacks, but especially him. And I thought T.J. Watt would be all over Baker Mayfield. It didn't happen. It didn't happen, and that allowed the Browns to, to really dictate offensively and it helps when you feel like it's all going your way speaking to tj sure. Watt, i couldn't help but think about his words to me from three or four weeks ago yeah about what it's like in that stadium when it's empty and they had like 2500 people there last night it's basically empty the energy's not there you have to make your own energy so it takes a while to make your own energy meanwhile you're down 28 nothing by the time you got the motor revved yeah that was an issue last night too Definitely, definitely an issue. Definitely, listen, fans there when you're down and then, okay, you make a play. Those are the kind of things that can kind of swing the pendulum of momentum too. You know, it's it's unfortunate. It's the disadvantage of defenses this year. I think it's part of the reason we've seen the most scoring in the history of football this year and all these things. Because, yes, defense is an emotional game. Crowds, fans, they add to the emotions. And then that makes the offense like, whoa, this place is going crazy, and oh my gosh, I think T.J. Watt's foaming out of the side of his mouth. This is getting crazy out here, and that's what you know a good defensive team feeds off of. It's hard to do that in the environment we're seeing right now, but yeah, they took that element out of the Pittsburgh Steelers' game or attack their defense, you know, ability to create chaos. I think that's the advantage maybe Cleveland you get by playing a team three times. You get a good feel for, like, wait, what to do, what not to do. Whoa, I learned if I hold the ball too long, they're going to hit me and bad things are going to happen. So let's get the damn ball out quickly. And they got better and better each time they played Pittsburgh. And, uh, yeah, Baker was great understanding the game last night and what he had to do with a lead and everything like that. Just the right touch of protecting the ball, yet – okay, I'm not going to be so conservative that I'm going to leave 15 and 20-yard completions on the field when they come back. And I thought that was really the best thing he did to close the game out. Very rarely, but it does happen. There's this ding-dong and the witch is dead moment in the AFC North where the Steelers can be thrown to the side. I remember in 2005, there was a Bengals win late in the regular season that made everyone say, hey, the the balance of power has shifted. It's the Bengals now. See you, Steelers. And then the Steelers turned around, ran the table, and then right. won the Super Bowl is the sixth seed coming out of the AFC. There's no, there's no chance for them to rectify it this year. But before we pivot to the other game from Sunday that we want to talk about in this block, the idea that you've got Ben Roethlisberger's future in question. Juju Smith-Schuster's contract is up. James Conner's contract is up. There could be some major changes to that roster Has and to. if they don't get a quarterback Chris they are going to be and we've talked about this multiple times throughout the course of the season with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore Joe Burrow in Cincinnati and Baker Mayfield in Cleveland the Steelers are going to be relegated to periodically what we've seen from Browns and Bengals over the last 20 years if they don't get a quarterback and they went 20 years from 
Terry Bradshaw to Ben Roethlisberger, they're not going to be able to get away with a protracted period without a franchise quarterback. They better have a plan B or they're going to be Team D in the AFC North. Well, and listen, they're, you're, you're right. They're, they're at the end of the lifeline for this football team that we see right here. I mean, yeah, Big Ben. It's, it's whether you want to bring him back one year or not, you better start thinking about drafting your next guy or whoever that is. You, you got to have a plan, certainly. You know, the offensive line, it, that's over. They got to redo it. it. It's over. Like the, the, the shelf life of that has moved on. They got to find new pieces there and kind of change the player they have there. Running back, of course they need a running back. They need to go out and get a stud. I mean, that's an issue with their football team. You know, that's it's why we're talking about them being gone. They can't even run the ball. It's it's not even we don't even think about it. Forget to run the ball. Let's figure out another way to throw the ball four inches. So that has to do, go. And then, you know, hey, listen, the, the defensive line, you got guys, you know, coming to the end of their contracts, things like that. You know, but quarterback, running back, offensive line, depth on defense, Mike, that's another issue that Pittsburgh's got to think about. It's TJ Watt and Cam Hayward. They're in there the whole game. And they wore they all their defense wore out at the end of the year, in my opinion. We've said it a few times here over the last month. Just a lot of snaps, but yeah, I think there's some major, major moving pieces that are going to have to be done there in Pittsburgh this offseason. And beyond that, look, I've lived near and/or in Pittsburgh for most of my life. I grew up 60 miles away. I'm 100 miles away exactly right now. I lived in Pittsburgh. I went to college there. I practiced law there. I know. That fan base, even though I'm not a member of it. People think I am. I'm not. Sorry, Steelers, or maybe you're happy. No, I think they're saying thank there you. Are, th <laughs> there are there are, uh, people in that fan base who will wake up today seething about Mike Tomlin because there's always a group of that fan base that is ready to get rid of him. Yeah. Chris, I remember having a report a few weeks ago, there were, or a few years ago, excuse me, weeks, years, they didn't know who we mean. That, that there are members of the limited partnership of the Pittsburgh Steelers ownership that have been pushing Art Rooney, yeah, I remember. the owner of the team, to make a change. You know, I feel like the Steelers at times just they, – they, they, they keep their coaches forever because we're the team that keeps our coaches forever – and we always want to be the team that said, hey, we've had three coaches since 1969. Well, at some point, maybe you need a fourth coach. There's going to be people who say that. And Tomlin, unfortunately, gave that crowd some ammunition. Beyond, there was a curious moment where he should have clearly gone for two to cut the lead to 11 if they sure. had gotten it because then you're down two scores instead of three. Yeah. Uh, or, or you're not down two scores. You're down a, you know, an eight and a three instead of a 12. You can get it by with a field goal right. and tie the game up. He didn't do that. Then he had a punt, fourth and one, near midfield. It's 35-23. Here yeah. he is after the game on the decision to punt the ball. The surrender surrender index was not happy with that. 94th percentile of cowardly punts. God, who figures this stuff out? During the 2020 season, why did he do it? Here he is talking about it after the game. We had had some stops. I uh, wanted to pin them down and maybe provide the short field for our offense. We'd had maybe two or three consecutive stops. And so um, I just wanted to keep the momentum going uh, in, in terms of field positioning, uh, but we weren't good enough in terms of doing that. Yeah, look, hey, you know, there's always a reason for it, but when it doesn't work, then you're the guy who gets who gets criticized. And, you know, you, you're at a point in the game where you have momentum, you're building momentum, you take your shot. You just can't defer indefinitely the opportunity to come back and try to win this game. The clock is ticking. You're running out of time. Hey, Chris, if they'd have had another quarter, maybe the Steelers would have won the game. But you got to play that way. When you have the opportunity to keep the drive going, you've got to do it. You can't just say, we're going to punt here and, and play defense. In a game where you've already given up 35 points, you can't just all of a sudden we're going to say we're going to play defense. Well, it, 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 I don't think it's that easy. I don't. You know, Again, they're there and they're in the position they are because of that defense. And their defense, you know, for lack of a better phrase, whooped the crap out of the Cleveland Browns in the third quarter. I mean, Cleveland couldn't do anything. So – He's a defensive coach, and he said, you know what? I am. I'm going to pin him down there one more time. Instead of going for it on fourth and one on my own, you know, my own side of the ball, we've already missed a fourth and one earlier in the game. We've had a few other, 
you know, short yardage situations where bad things have happened as far as interceptions and the tip pass. So I, I think he just went, okay, I'm going to punt it out. I'm going to let my defense, you know, knock them out one more time and we'll get the ball back and go down and make this a one score game. I don't, I didn't find that egregious. You know, I, I understand the thought. I, I don't think he's wrong in that thought though. I don't with the way that game was going at that point. I, I can get behind his decision there to punt the ball. The other ones that you talked about, some of the two-point conversions and then deciding to kick the extra point a few times and all that, I don't know if I believed in some of those decisions, but that one right there, I understand it at least. I do get it. When your defense and team is built through defense, I mean, then, yeah, that's what he he felt at that moment. I, I'm not going to be too mad at that one. Yeah, but but to get back to the point that I was making – there are members of that fan base that are going to be looking for any reason to well, blame Tomlin. When we're talking right. about it, it was Ben, it was this, it was Marquise Pouncey, it was that. They're going to blame Tomlin. And and look, I blame Tomlin for not having his guys ready. Sure. And I blame Tomlin for not having better control over Juju Smith-Schuster. We saw how it played out with Antonio Brown. Remember the the video in the locker room after they beat the Chiefs in the divisional round several years ago, and and then you know and it, it just, you got to control your guys a little bit better. I understand that he's very good at getting the most out of his players and striking a balance where they can be themselves, but it got too far out of whack with Antonio Brown for one set of reasons, and for a different set of reasons, it's gotten out of whack with Juju Smith-Schuster to kind of take us back to where we started. It's on the coach to keep the player from creating these issues and you know the coach's attitude after they lost to the Bengals when Juju was dancing on the logo before the game was that's no big deal that stuff doesn't motivate they had just told you after the game it did motivate it, it, I mean how stubborn can you be Chris that you don't take a step back and ask yourself are these antics detrimental what are they doing to help us win what are they doing to cause us to lose? They're not doing a damn thing to help us win. So why are we doing it? Well, why are we putting yeah. stuff out there? Why is Juju saying stuff like the Browns is the Browns? It's not helping you win. You got to school your guys a little bit better on how to deal with those moments when they're talking to the media, period. Well, I think that answers your question about them, whether they wanted to win next week and those things, because that, 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 that's just them. They, they're this confident attitude that it's Pittsburgh. They're kind of renegade-ish. Yeah, we'll spout off at the mouth. Okay, but we're going to get on the field and you're going to see us in person and we're big and we're bad and we're going to kick your butt. That's kind of the way Mike Tomlin coaches his football team. But yeah, over the last few years, we've seen a little bit of that go maybe to the overconfident, a little cocky phase to where it has hurt their football team down the stretch. Whether it is that year with A.B., you know, not playing week 17 and them just missing the playoffs or the Jacksonville divisional loss like we talked about. Yeah, there, there's something there. Maybe that's something Mike Tomlin goes back to and looks at and goes, okay, wait, at the end of the year, we have gotten a little, you know, too big for our britches that way. And maybe there is something I need to do to kind of bring us back down to earth. But also, they let the Juju Smith and all that go, Juju Smith Schuster stuff go because he was doing it all year and they were 11 and 0 and they were winning. And that's just the way they were. But uh, it obviously came back to bite them in the butt. Yeah, just the way we are works until it doesn't. And yeah. when it doesn't, that's when you need to come up with something else. And look, you need to understand the reality in which the sport operates. One of the reasons why so many people connected to sport make so much money is because people are intensely interested in it. There is a huge army of media that covers it. That's We, we devote our lives to covering the NFL. There are times when I ask myself, what am I really doing to help society here? I'm covering a sport, and I spend every waking moment doing it. You know, but it, there, there's a market for it. And with all the people who are covering the sport and listening to everything you say, it's incumbent on the player, the coach, and the organization to get it right. It's not that hard to get it right. It shouldn't be left to people interpreting what someone says you know based upon the way they say it instead of what they really meant you don't get the benefit of that doubt anymore not in the nfl you said it you said it you put well, it out yeah. there and somebody's gonna run with no, it I, and, and so it's on them yes. it's on them to fix it that's one of the of all the things the steelers need to fix this offseason one of the things they need to fix is making sure they're not letting their players say things that can and will be used against them on the field. That's job number one. It shouldn't be that hard to do. 
but it definitely needs to be done. Yeah, I I I agree. That that has to be, you know, reined in a little bit there in Pittsburgh. There's no doubt about that. And yeah, I yeah, I'm with you there too with the you know, oh, the media makes a bigger deal of it. No, no, stop that. No. I'm so sick of That's that. That's why crap we're here. Talk. There's a it's That's why, why everybody's here. here. It's why everybody's here. It's why the football players are there, the fans in their stadium. It's all part of this great cycle that makes great for American sports. And don't say the media made a bigger deal about it because nobody made a bigger deal about it. Oh, wait, then the team that was playing the guy. So the media didn't do it. You know, that was that was real. It was a real comment, a real emotion with a real person and a real face. And then the guy and the team – and the Browns uniforms, they thought it was real, too, and they made it a real thing in their locker room. I, I can't stand that talk about media fabrication. Stop. Anything you say can and will be used against you. That's message number one for all PR executives with every team to communicate to coaches, players, everyone. And again, it's not that hard. And if it is that hard then you need to be like Bill Belichick and say as close to nothing as possible. But that's where the rubber meets the road on building your brand, right? Because it's hard to build a brand if you're not talking. You have to embrace these opportunities to talk. Well, you got to be careful what you say. And and when you ask Juju Smith-Schuster to talk about the Browns, how hard is it to just say, man, the Browns are really good. The Browns have had a rough history, and they need to be proud of what these players have done to turn this around. Because it, there used to be a time where you look at the Browns and you just say the Browns is the Browns. The Browns isn't the Browns anymore. How hard is that? How hard is that, Chris? No, I know. I hear you, Mike. It's, uh, they got to work on that. Juju's definitely got to work on that, no doubt. Now, he's going to be working on it for a different team prediction he's not gonna be a stealer next year I would agree prediction. with that they can't keep everybody we talked about the issues they have they got Chase Claypool who's gonna be their star receiver and Deontay Johnson he's getting to a point where they're gonna have to pay him too and I think they like him better as well he's a little more versatile in his talent I, I would I'm with you I would expect to see Juju on a different team next year maybe maybe playing for the Browns next year he fits oh, that style of play it would be it would be that would be uh awesome if it works out that way or the Ravens or the Ravens, he fits that style of play too. Although he'd be doing a lot more blocking than yes. it would be Kessing patches. Yes. Speaking of the Ravens, let's take a break. The Ravens continued their hot late season run. They were the anti Steelers. Steelers couldn't do anything right in December. Ravens did everything right. We'll talk about what they did on Sunday to get past the Titans and punch their ticket to the divisional round right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Man, that shit was good, you know, Mr. Jameis. And um, I, I knew, you know, we had the capability of doing that. Uh, but you know, there's gonna always be no um, naysayers, you know, no matter what. So we just one game at a time. I appreciate the um, the win, hard fought team victory. You know, they played great as well. You know, Tennessee pretty um, played a pretty good game. You know, on both sides of the ball. 
Um, but I'm, I'm grateful for the win. This may be the best win I've ever been associated with. Defensive effort, like you said, it was discipline. It was eyes on your luggage. It was finishing. It was running to the ball. It was tackling. Uh, up front, our defensive line did a phenomenal job against their very good offensive line. So we got him, we got him stopped a lot of times before he got started. Uh, all those things came into play. <laughs> Tim, you know, they, they say neck gaiters don't work, but I think I think some guys think they look awesome. That neck gaiter looks pretty awesome for Jim Har- for John Harbaugh. Excuse me, John Harbaugh, the greatest win ever. Uh, he's got a Super Bowl wing. I don't know that it was the greatest win ever for the Baltimore Ravens for John Harbaugh, but to get that that monkey off their backs as it relates to losing in the postseason. That's right. The loss in 2018, the loss in 2019, both at home, both games they were favored to win. And I thought it was the kiss of death for them to be favored on the road against the Titans. This just all added up to the Titans finding a way to kick Baltimore's butts. And then the Titans were up 10 nothing. That That's part of what Lamar Jackson can't do. Can't lead the team from behind. They were down 10 nothing. Next thing you know, it's 10-10. It's a new ball game, and the Ravens methodically pull away. The key, though, now it's, it helps to have Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Jackson things. When you can shut down the modern-age Jim Brown, the guy who had run roughshod, Chris, all over the National Football League this year, when you hold him to 40 rushing yards and zero first downs, that is the way that you beat the Tennessee Titans, especially when you have a quarterback who can rush for 136. No no doubt. Listen, we'll, we're going to talk about Lamar, right, and all the awesome things he did. That was amazing. There's no doubt about it. But the, the story of the game, in my opinion at least, is the Baltimore Ravens defense. And like you said, you know, first off, yeah, all the playoff struggles. Wait, we played this team earlier this year, and they kind of ran it down our throat and won the game in overtime for a 30-yard touchdown run right up our, you know, right up the middle, right in our face, Right. Then the game starts out, it's 10 nothing. Both drives kind of look good from Tennessee, and you're going, oh, man, Baltimore, I don't know. This doesn't look good. They're, they're teetering on they might lose control of this football game. And then Lamar makes a play on third down, and the game is never the same. And the Baltimore defense just absolutely dominated from there on out. I mean, in every way. And we never I, – I don't think we've seen really the last few years the Titans and Derrick Henry to like what you're saying get dominated that way. There was really, other than one run in the fourth quarter, there was not one time he got the ball yesterday where you went, oh, oh, watch, oh, watch out. Oh, he never even got, you never even got like perked up in your seat, right? Other than that fourth quarter, I think he had an eight yard run. Baltimore absolutely smothered him up front. Them being healthy up front, them, I think, playing them one time already, uh, there just was nowhere to go. Derrick Henry. He needs a little space, as we know. You've talked about it before. It's that build-up speed, and then once he gets going, watch out. But I felt like every time he got the ball, and by the time he took his second or third step, he had people in his lap, and he could never get momentum or power going. And That's where I give the Ravens uh, a lot of credit. I mean, that was a phenomenal win by them yesterday. That's the one flaw in his game. Yes, It's right. otherwise flawless. It's just not instantaneous when he gets the ball right. in his hands. There is an explosion. My God, if you took everything else he did and put explosion oh. at the point of getting the ball in his hands on top of it, he'd have 3,000 yards, not 2,000. <laughs> right, it's right. that I'm, – I'm really – No. It's that it first couple fair. of steps. And when, right. you've, when you've already played them and you start to figure out the rhythm – to when the clock runs out on your ability to get the guy off his feet, you develop a sense. And my guess is they came up with some sort of a practice technique to how to get to Derrick Henry before Derrick Henry hits top speed they definitely, and starts running through you or past you. Oh, oh my, I'm so glad. That's where I wanted to go because that's really what they did throughout the day. They, just, they basically played five-man fronts and – Calais Campbell and Brandon, you know, Brandon Williams and and Matt Judon. Okay, they kind of controlled their guys, right? A lot of the times won their battle, pushed it, pushed their guy back. But to what you're saying, and this didn't happen the first time, especially with the two rookie middle linebackers and Queen and Harrison. First time, they kind of just were like, hey, wait, I'm shuffling along and I'm I'm in my gap. If he comes through here, I'll I'll tackle him. Yesterday is what you said. 
they block. They okay. We were they're blocking guys up front, but when they saw the holes, they ran through the holes before the running back did. And how many times did we see Queen or Harrison as soon as he got the ball and he's just getting to the hole? It was already gone. So I think they learned from that too. You're right. And just like you know, th- there's a phrase that the, the like the Buccaneers coaches, Mike Tomlin used to use it: shoot your gun. You see the hole, you're responsible for that hole. Shoot your gun and run through it because somebody's going to run through there in a second. And that's what they did, I thought, throughout the day, to your point, and really just smothered Derrick Henry. Can't help but wonder whether or not they've given the rest of the league a blueprint for dealing with Derrick Henry. Because, I mean, if, if I see it, surely they see it. Because I see it just, you know, I'm not breaking down the film like you do. Right. It's obvious that Derrick Henry needs three or four steps before he reaches top speed. So put him on his ass before he gets the three or four steps. You just got to have the beast. gun is the way that they need to work on. You have to have the guys who can do it. Yeah, you got to have the beast And if you're going to be in the AFC South, if you're going to be in the AFC South and deal with him twice per year, at least, you know, for as long as he can continue to play at this level, that's where you need to really focus on it. Those are the teams. The Colts. The Jaguars, the Texans, those are the teams that, that need to be looking at what the Ravens did because they got to face this guy twice a year and they don't have an answer for him. Um, we, we, we were talking about the surrender index last segment as it relates to Mike Tomlin's decision to punt on fourth and one down 35-23 in the second half. Mike Vrabel, surrender index is back. Down by, uh, what was it? They were down by four. The they were down 14. four. Yeah. Ten minutes left in the game. They're on Baltimore's 40. What I mean, you know, when, anytime you're looking at the potential for a net field position gain of 20 yards, two first downs, and when you punt from the 40, I don't care who your punter is. You're, you're taking a very real risk that you're going to put it in the end zone, right? That you're going to aim for the corner. You're going to try to kick a flat ball that doesn't bounce in. But you're, you're looking at a very real possibility that it's a 20-yard net gain. Why? Why do it from your own 40? You got to – I mean, and we've seen – that's the one area, Chris, in recent years where we saw the pendulum swing sharply toward four-down territory. There was a time where you did punt there, right? There was a time where you didn't have the field goal kicker and, and, uh, yeah, let's play it safe. Now, then it, you know, at some point it became, no, it's a given. That's a spot where you go for it. That's four down territory. And, and that stunned me. And then he had an explanation for it after the game, but uh, yada, 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 it didn't work. And uh, there's a point where you have to tell your offense, you trust them. And maybe on that day against that defense, Mike Frabel just didn't trust I, his offense to gain two yards. I think that's real. I think that's part of it. I think that's part of this. It's a little bit of a different discussion than like Browns and Mike Tomlin. You know, it is. I I will find this one. I, I think I could be a little bit more critical, I think, of this one than Mike Tomlin too, you know, because you know, Baltimore scored a touchdown already in that quarter. You know, they had already driven down and scored a touchdown to take the 17-10 to 10 lead. You know, it was only two drives of slowing down the Ravens. So to just think, oh, man, my defense has got it at that point, I don't know if I could get behind that. But I think, yes, to like what you're saying, the fact that they got dominated at the point of attack on the line of scrimmage, and then I think also he looked at it and went, I mean, we haven't thrown a pass today that isn't bang-bang because Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey were all over everything. So I think he was worried about all of that and then probably thinking, man, giving them the short field with Justin Tucker, they get one completion or one run, they're in field goal territory. But, you know, it still would have been a one-score game at that point too, even if you do give up that field goal. So I, 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 uh, I'm I, with you. I, I, that was a little, like, peculiar, that one. I can understand it, but that one I guess I understand less than the Mike Tomlin decision there uh, last night. You know, we had a lot of Mike's coaching yesterday. We had Mike Vrabel, Mike Tomlin, Mike Prefer. There was a team coached by a guy named Mike that went to New Orleans 35 years ago and won a Super Bowl. The Bears were back in the Superdome for the first time since Mike Ditka took them to the top of the mountain for a postseason game. It didn't work out very well for the Bears. Let's take a break, and when we return, we'll talk about the Saints' suffocation of Matt Nagy and company uh, in the wild card round. More PFT Live coming at you right after this. There's Sean Payton making good on his promise to get slimed if the Saints win in the Nickelodeon game. And there it is. Sean Payton got slimed. The, the, the Nickelode- I wasn't a big 
I wouldn't. Yeah, well, he's got he, the he's sneakers got, got a little on, slimy, he's gotta but he's got a, he's got a he's got a shoe deal. He'll get he'll he'll. There's plenty more where those came from. I he'll figured. probably like auction the Jordans that got slimed for charity and make a bunch of money for somebody, which uh, I a suspect good one. I like that. Do. But 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 uh, the Nickelodeon broadcast. I wasn't big on Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon was more from my perspective the thing that was on and it was loud. And you said to and you said oh like your phone ringing you during to... segment on TV. You mean like loud well, like that? Yeah, like yeah. you just forgot to turn yeah. your like that kind of loud yeah. and annoying. Well, sorry, I I, <laughs> I I explained to you I explained to you what's going on here before the show and uh, you know oh. Um, I forgot that, about that. That's an issue right now. Okay. So, uh, so anyway, talk a little bit about the Saints game while I figure out what's going on. All right. You figure that out there. Yes. I mean, the Saints, right. uh, the, the story of the day, you know it. I know it. Anybody watching that football game, the Saints defense. I mean, holy cow. That was domination, really, other than one drive and a drop trick, you know, tr a trick pass by whims where, hey, that would have been a big play. Who knows what happens in the football game? The story of the day is the New Orleans Saints defense absolutely suffocated the Chicago Bears to where there was really just never a point in the football game where you thought Chicago can drive the ball a few drives in this game to score a touchdown or make it competitive that way. You just kept going, well, I hope their defense can hang in there. I hope their defense can hang in there. That's the only way the Bears will have a chance. But – New Orleans defense against that Bears offense, which, yes, is better than it was earlier this year. But still, that formula of, you know, average run game and bootlegs, and that's really all you got to offer against the Saints defense that's got some big bad dudes up front, good linebackers, awesome secondary, and then a guy in Dennis Allen who does stuff where you just go, I don't know what the hell defense this is, but everybody's covered. I don't know what the hell alignment this is, but damn, they're creating chaos. And it was just total butt whooping on that side of the ball by the Saints defense. I saw an awesome tweet last night, and I can't remember who posted it, but the message was this. If they want kids to get interested in football, why did they make kids watch the Bears? And, and that's, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Bears were who we thought they were. And they did exactly what we thought they would do. Now, it was interesting in the first half until the drop on the great trick play, well-designed, well-executed, until Javon wins, just let it go right through his hands. And uh, that, that would have been a moment that could have changed everything. Yes. We made it 7-7, seven to seven, giving the Bears a lift. And the flip side is when that doesn't work, when you shoot your shot there, when it's the plan that you surely had in the works for days and everyone's excited here's the play we're going to use it and it's going to work and it's going to be great and when everything works but the easiest part of it that's got to take the air out of the team Chris well definitely and it's a game where they're the, listen these are human beings they're smart they realize that they needed a play or two like that to win the game and maybe another lucky bounce their way so that's where it's deflating because you just go oh I mean we're not going to have a lot of opportunities you know, all together to make it happen. But, man, that's Saints defense. Mike, put it in this way. That last drive of the game by the Bears was a 99-yard drive. They had 239 yards total offense on the day. So that's what kind of – 130 yards before that drive, that's domination by the Saints D. All right, we got a full hour still to talk about these games. Superlatives next right here on PFT Live. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba. 